Chapter 16 It was noon when Chicago Police Detective Frank Parisi sat at his desk and turned on his ancient department computer. The CPD was in the process of updating their systems, but until they made their way through every precinct, he had to put up with an eight-year-old unit. With 15 years on the force, nine of them as a detective in the homicide unit, Parisi was used to the department's hurry-up-and-wait standard for getting new equipment. Five more years and he could retire from this hellhole. Between his CPD pension and the money he had made on a few side ventures, which the department didn't know about, he and his wife, Diane, would be able to live very well in Florida. He could spend his days fishing, and Diane could do whatever the hell she did when he wasn't home. He didn't care what she did, as long as he had the freedom to do what he wanted. A red dot flashed on the computer screen, and Parisi sat up straighter. Glancing around, he made sure no one was in his vicinity and clicked on the alert. Hallelujah. After months of being underground, that bitch Mariah Jensen had finally shown up on the radar again. They would have had her a few months ago if that hick cop in Ohio had processed the accident paperwork faster. Scanning the alert, he read that a North Carolina state investigator, Brian Malone, had run her license. But if that was the case... Why the fuck hadn't he called CPD and told them he had her in custody? The whore probably batted her eyes and the schmuck released her with a warning before he got the bolo, be on the lookout, request back on the computer. Fucking idiot. Parisi snatched up his desk phone's receiver and dialed the number which was listed on the computer screen for investigator Malone. When it went to voicemail, he left a message for the asshole to return his call. Grabbing his jacket, he headed toward the door, advising the unit receptionist he was going to check on a lead and would return later. His partner had taken the week off because his wife had just given birth, so Parisi was flying solo for a few days. It was just as well, since his partner was a goody two-shoe, who would run straight to internal affairs if he knew who Parisi was doing business with. There was no love lost between him and his partner. As long as the guy kept his nose out of Frank's business, the detective could tolerate him. He drove his department-issued Crown Victoria eight or nine blocks and then turned left into the bus depot. Hurrying inside, he made a beeline to a row of lockers and pulled out the key he had for unit number 702. After opening the door, he pulled out one of the throwaway cell phones he'd been given, which couldn't be traced. There was no way he could risk making this call from his department phone or his own cell phone. After powering it up, he dialed the number from memory as he shut the locker door and headed back outside. Four rings later, the call was answered by the gruff voice belonging to Adrian Hernandez. What? Parisi glanced around to make sure no one was within hearing distance as he strode across the parking lot to his vehicle. Guess who's been spotted in North Carolina? How, when, and where? Some hick cop down there ran her license in Elizabeth City. I tried to call and see if he had her detained, but I just got his voicemail. Let me know what he says. Parisi wasn't surprised when Hernandez hung up on him without warning, as he was used to the rude manner by now. The man was the biggest drug supplier in Chicago and would pay Parisi nicely for discovering the woman's whereabouts. He'd managed to have himself assigned to the Jensen murders to help clean up the mess Leo Simmons had caused. That two-bit loser gave his ditzy girlfriend a duffel bag stuffed with money and a gun which could be tied to two other murders in the city to hold for him. What a fucking ass. 
Now the money and gun were missing, along with his girlfriend's sister. Climbing back into his car, he hoped Hernandez killed Leo when this was over for all the trouble the jackass had caused. He'd be happy to do it for the drug lord. For now, though, he would head back to the station to wait for the investigator's call. Sean Malone hung up the phone after talking to his brother Brian. So much for a few days off. Fuck. Casey and Dan had really stepped into it this time. Opening a file on his laptop, he scanned his law enforcement associates list and found the number for a drug enforcement agency contact in Chicago. He'd worked with the agent during a joint task force case a few years ago and hoped he hadn't been transferred. He called, and after five rings, Agent John Sampson answered the phone. After exchanging pleasantries, Sean gave the agent the rundown on Mariah's story and asked if Sampson knew anything about the case or the drug dealer Leo Simmons. He wasn't happy with the agent's response. A half an hour later, Sean was in his bedroom, packing a travel bag. He had two hours to get to the airport and through security with his weapon before his plane took off from Jacksonville, Florida to North Carolina. He'd fill his brothers in with the details when he arrived at the beach house. It looked like the Malone boys were going to ride again and rescue a damsel in distress. Yeehaw! After two hours of waiting for the phone to ring, Frank Parisi was anxious and very tempted to head for the men's room for a snort of the coke he kept in the hidden pocket of his sports coat. The phone rang at the same time he stood. Sitting back down, his hand covered the receiver. Taking a deep breath, he answered the call with what he hoped sounded like a bored voice. Detective Frank Parisi. Hello, Detective. This is Investigator Brian Malone from North Carolina's SBI returning your call. Yes, Investigator, thanks for calling. I received an alert that you ran the license of one of my bolos, uh, Mariah Jensen. He grabbed a pad and pen to make some notes. Yeah, um, someone turned in a purse with that ID in it. I ran it to see if it was stolen property. I thought it was a little odd to find her bag in North Carolina when she's from Chicago. He paused and then added, So this Jensen is wanted for questioning in a couple of homicides, huh? Shifting his eyes around the room, he kept his voice quiet enough not to be overheard by the few detectives working at their own desks or the conference table in the middle of the bullpen. Yep, looks like she killed her mother, sister, and her sister's kid. Shot them several times each, then took off running. The investigator whistled softly over the phone. Really? Fuck, that's cold. What makes you think she did it? Pausing a moment, Parisi's eyes narrowed at the other man's fishing expedition. Well, like the bolo says, she's just wanted for questioning. It's a little suspicious she disappeared immediately after the murders. Yeah, I guess that would be suspicious. I wonder what her motive was if she did do it. Aggravated, he leaned back in his chair. Well, that's something I'll ask her when we locate her. Malone sighed. I wish I could help you out, detective. But I have her picture. I'll pass it around the barracks and see if anyone recognizes her. I'd appreciate that, Investigator Malone. If you could put that purse in your property room just in case we need it for anything, that would also be great. You know, to maintain chain of custody. No problem. Anything to help you big city boys. Thanks. His upper lip raised into a sneer while he tried to act as if nothing was wrong. You have a good day. 
and let me know if Miss Jensen shows up anywhere in your parts. I'll do that. Thanks again. Parisi hung up and muttered, Dumb fucking hick. Within 15 minutes, he was back in his department vehicle, dialing the same number on the throwaway phone. After this conversation, he would break the device down into pieces and dispose of them in different trash containers. Adrian Hernandez picked up the phone on the first ring this time. What is it? I heard back from that cop in North Carolina. Says someone turned in the girl's purse. And? The man's irritation was clear. And I think he's lying. Parisi put the car in drive. Might as well go grab something to eat, then find a place to have a quick snort. I could be wrong, but he seemed a little too interested in finding out what we had on her. Yeah? What's his name? I'll send a few boys down that way to see what he knows. State Investigator Brian Malone. Called from the Elizabeth City SBI office on East Main Street. Got it. If this turns out to be something, you'll have a little extra in your pay this month. Hernandez hung up before the detective could respond. Hanging up the phone in the quiet report room, Brian ran a hand down his face and let out a heavy sigh. He hated to lie to the detective, but until he got a better idea of how much danger Casey's girlfriend was in, he was better off fudging the truth a little. He hoped the guy hadn't recognized he was fishing for information. Thinking back over the conversation, he realized he'd laid it on pretty thick a few times. Probably thinks I'm some dumb hick. On his hip, his cell phone chimed when a text came through. With a quick glance at it, he was surprised to see Sean's message saying he was going to be boarding a flight to North Carolina soon and would grab a rental car at the airport. Brian hadn't expected his brother to drop everything and fly home to help, but that's how the Malones were. When one was in trouble, the others came running. Sean had also left a message for a DEA agent in Chicago, and he'd fill them in later. Sighing, Brian prayed that Mara, Mariah, or whatever the hell her name is, was not about to screw KC over. If she wasn't telling them the truth, they could all be in serious trouble. The door to the room swung open, and one of the field training officers walked in with a recent graduate of the academy. Standing, Brian gave both men a nod before heading for the door. His next stop was the district attorney's office, where he was scheduled to have a meeting over the road rage armed robbery incident yesterday. At least that would keep his mind off the mess Uncle Dan had brought to the family's door, unintentionally, of course. Damn that man and his fucking strays. Mariah sat on her bed in silence, watching K.C. stalk back and forth across the room. He wasn't just mad. He was furious. She could tell by the heat flaring in his eyes. It wasn't from flames of passion like it had been that morning. Instead, it was as if his brain was about to spontaneously combust unless he calmed down. Jeez. Had it only been two hours since they had made love? Finally, he stopped pacing and stood before her with his arms crossed over his broad chest. She swallowed hard as his eyes pierced hers, but she refused to look away. He had a right to be mad, and she deserved his wrath. So, do I call you Mara or Mariah? Oh, yeah. He was pissed. His anger was barely leashed. She shrugged and her gaze wavered, then dropped to his chest. 
You can call me Mariah. It doesn't matter now. You know who I am. Do I? She flinched as he spat out the words. Apparently I don't know a damn fucking thing about you. The volume of his voice got louder with each word. You lied to me. You fucking lied to me from day one. And after we fucked around, you continued to lie to me. I'm sorry, she sobbed as she pulled her knees to her chest and wrapped her arms around them. I was scared. I, I didn't know who I could trust. I was afraid of what would happen if I told you the truth. He recoiled like she'd slapped him in the face. How could you? How could you sleep with me if you didn't trust me? His voice had dropped to almost a whisper, and she didn't know if that was better or worse than the yelling. No, it wasn't like that. I swear. His eyes narrowed until the veins at his temples bulged. It wasn't? Then tell me what it was like, Mariah. Cringing at the way he stressed her name, she wiped her eyes and nose with the back of her hand, wishing there was a box of tissues nearby. As if he'd read her mind, Casey stalked into the bathroom and returned with the box and handed it to her. She pulled out several tissues and blew her nose while he waited impatiently for her answer. At first, I didn't trust you. Not fully. But the more we spent time together, and the more we got to know each other, I realized you were a really nice guy. And I swear, when we made love, I completely trusted you. But not enough to tell me the fucking truth? You have a funny definition of trust. Casey stormed out of the room, and Mariah burst into tears again burying her face into a pillow so he wouldn't hear. But he did hear. It tore at his heart to hear her crying. But as much as he wanted to go in and comfort her, he resisted the urge. He made his way out the back door of the cottage and didn't bother to speak to his uncle sitting on the porch. Instead, he descended the stairs and strode purposely toward the beach. Wisely, the old man didn't try to stop him. As soon as his feet hit the sand, he began to run. It always cleared his mind, and so he ran until exhaustion finally hit him, miles down the beach, and he collapsed onto his back in the sand, trying to catch his breath. How could he have been so fucking stupid? He was usually discerning when it came to people lying to him. It was part of his military interrogation training. Trust the wrong person, and you could easily wind up dead. But maybe this time. He hadn't wanted to see that Mariah wasn't telling the truth. Why? Because he had wanted her from almost the minute he saw her, and he'd been thinking with the wrong fucking head. And then, after they had sex the first time, he let wanting more skew his thinking. Oh, fuck. K.C. sat up with a start. No, no, no. It couldn't be. But it was. Damn it. Somewhere in the past week or so, he had fallen in love with her. Head over heels in love, you dumb fuck. The thought slammed into him with the force of a freight train. That's why he didn't want to see through her flimsy story, and that's why it hurt so fucking much to find out she lied to him. Now what? Instead of the horned devil on his shoulder, this time it was an angel dressed only in a white t-shirt which came down to the top of her shapely legs. Now you do what you have to in order to keep her safe. 
once that's been taken care of. Then you can figure out what to do next. First, save the girl. No, first, save the woman you love.